for most entry-level positions, the technical background is going to be the first thing they look at. What type of software-specific knowledge do you bring? Do you have some basic programming understanding? Do you have enough experience, even if it's within your education, to come into a position ready to learn or ready to even execute some of the functions that they need right away? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Jessica Touchard and she is a geospatial recruitment specialist. So given that there is so much instability out there in the world at the moment because of the global pandemic that we're all living through and I realize a lot of people are maybe less secure in their jobs than what they were a few months ago, I thought it'd be a really great idea to get someone like Jessica on the show today and sort of walk us through what it looks like to work with a recruitment specialist, why you might want to do this, and we also break down the skills and experience you will need at different levels. So at the entry-level positions, at mid-level positions, and also at leadership-level positions in the GIS, geospatial industry. And this is all done from a job seeker's perspective. So I really hope this is helpful, and I am sure that you're going to enjoy this interview with Jessica. Just before we dive into the interview today, I just want to ask you for a quick favor. If you are enjoying this content and you know somebody who might also enjoy it, please share it with them. It would mean the world to me. This is the way podcasts grow. It helps us reach more people and spread the word about geospatial. And any help you could give me with that would be greatly appreciated. Okay, let's dive in. Hello, Jessica, and welcome to the podcast. You are a geospatial recruitment expert, um, and we're going to be talking about geospatial recruitment. We're going to be talking about what's it like for a job seeker and, and some of the things they might want to be thinking about when they're out there looking for a job, which is really timely now, considering the, the global crisis that we're, we're all experiencing. And I'm sure a lot of listeners out there will perhaps be a little bit less um, secure in the job than what they were, or perhaps looking for new opportunities. So I'm really pleased you could come along and talk to us today. Before we dive into the interview, perhaps you could just start off by giving us a brief overview of your history in the in the geospatial recruitment industry. Sure. Well, my name, like you said, is Jessica Touchard, and my company's name is GeoSearch. We have been in the recruitment business for over 31 years within GIS, GPS, photogrammetry, remote sensing, and all things geospatial. We work with organizations mostly in the United States, but across the world sometimes, in helping them fill their empty positions. So as it is always employer paid, and that is that is our business model. Okay, so I think a lot of listeners will understand what it's like to, to write a CV and they'll understand what it's like to, to make a cover letter and apply for a job, but not many of us understand what it's like to work with a recruiter. Could you, could you explain... Or tell us what the process looks like of working with, with a recruiter in the geospatial industry. So we are engaged, like I mentioned, by an employer first. So when you're working with, an, with, with a recruiter, they're often limited to the organizations or types of positions that they may be working on at any given time. That's true for us and any, any recruiting company, actually. And so when you are a job seeker, what you're usually first asked to do is to take a look at the available positions at any given time. And if there is not anything that you see that is of interest or meets your 
background very well, then we always highly recommend you still enter a resume either on our website or email it to me or call us and talk with us a little bit about your background. And we keep an active database of job seekers at all times that are looking for different types of positions who are actively in the market or are actively working and just want to keep their knowledge of the market current. So the first step is typically to send a resume. The second step, usually a recruiter will, will reach out to you and either discuss something that you've expressed interest in immediately or get an idea of what you are looking for in the long term if we don't have anything that matches that currently. And then we will typically ask our job seekers to check in to our website to keep actively looking at our positions. They change all the time, as you can imagine. And then we use our database also to generate interest when we have a new position come open. So if the job seeker and I are working in tandem, we typically can find a match eventually. So as a job seeker, I come to you, I, I'm looking for help getting a job. So I come to you, I I can see that you've got some jobs that I'm interested in and I send you my CV, I call you up, I, I sit down with you. What, what are the kinds of things that you could do for me to, to help me, me get this job that, that I can see on your website? So every time that we are working on a particular position, we are in constant communication with the employer hiring for that position. So the thing that we can offer you as a job seeker is information um, outside of typic- the typical job description. Obviously, we'll need our candidates that we present to meet minimum qualifications that the employer is looking for, but we may have additional information on that, meaning, hey, we'd really like somebody who likes to be involved in professional organizations because we find a lot of value in XYZ organization, or we love people who are outgoing and can help us, even though they're a geospatial analyst that love to be client facing and and would really like to help our clients develop um, their geospatial systems and create new business for us, even in a technical role. So we may have some things outside of the job description that maybe isn't required to do the actual position that are very helpful to the employer and may put you a step ahead in the interview. Yeah, I, I could definitely imagine that. I mean, you've had contact to the to the employer, and you would, uh, I guess, with time, get a feel for what they're looking for and what what person would best fit in that company. So I, I complete, could completely understand how you would be in a position then to to make those sort of recommendations and perhaps read between the lines of a CV and say, okay, well, I can see that person be better fit because of X, Y, and Z. I'm assuming that you, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming you don't really deal with entry level positions. Uh, is that correct? No, that's not correct. We actually um, work on all levels of positions. And typically, at least in our business model, we are typically working with an organization as a whole. We have um, many different services that we offer our employers, but our most popular service is one that puts us on a long-term basis. And we help them fill multiple positions within their organization, recurring positions, um, all for a kind of a flat fee. Sometimes we charge per head if that's the way the employer chooses to engage with us, but it's really not our our standard business model. So we'll be working with a client who may engage us initially for some very hard to fill 
niche positions and then also need support people and entry level and, and possibly field crews and things like that for data collection. We're typically working on all kinds of all kinds of roles. Okay, that's really interesting. I just assumed that you would be more in the, in the niche market. like So positions that were difficult to fill, that's the time that employers would contact you and say, hey, we can't find these people ourselves. Can you go out and find someone who's going to fit nicely into this role here? But what you're saying is that you deal with all sorts of positions and at all sorts of different levels in the industry. Yes. And we are typically engaged when a you know, a customer is going, how are we going to fill this particular role? Or how are we going to fill this many entry-level positions? Maybe they need 15 or 20 at a time, something like that. I would say that initially when we're working with a customer, that's typically why they come to us. The way that our model works, we often are utilized for all levels within the organization eventually. Okay. I'd like to get back to the entry-level positions here just for a minute and then sort of work our way up to the mid-level and leadership positions just to get an idea of some of the things, some of the skills that the people are looking for, some of the things that could be helpful to mention on our CVs if we're out applying for jobs. So my first question is, in terms of an entry-level position, is it the technical skills that really make the big difference at the start? And, and the reason why I ask this is, again, it's an assumption on my behalf, but I'm assuming here that a technical skill is an easier sell right at the start. Perhaps I don't have very much leadership experience or that sort of real depth of knowledge where I can stand and, and direct other people in the organization, say, hey, we need to go over here, we need to go over here. But at the start, I have a technical understanding of how to make a map, of, of how to do geocoding, of how to present my data visually on a, on a web map, that kind of thing. Is that the kind of stuff people are looking for? Are they... Or are they looking for skills right across the board, regardless of what position and what level it is at? For most entry-level positions, the technical background is going to be the first thing they look at. What type of software-specific knowledge do you bring? Do you have some basic programming understanding? Do you have enough experience, even if it's within your education, to come into a position ready to learn or ready to even execute some of the functions that they need right away. In addition to that, though, even in an entry-level person, what else would they be looking for would be communication skills, some love of learning, the ability to learn, maybe some prior background in attending or being involved in conferences and professional organizations. Those types of things indicate to them that you have a high level of interest, that you have a high level of self-motivation. And those are the kinds of things that can help you stand out in in an entry-level pool of candidates. And certainly, of course, internships, if that is available, are always so helpful in not only possibly becoming your first full-time paid position, but if they don't become that, something that is a little bit more experienced than just an education environment. So when people ask me this question, how, how do I get experience uh, in, in the industry? How, how do I start? Where do I go? I can't get an in internship. One of the things I often suggest to them is build your, start building your online profile. You've done a whole bunch of work at university or college. Start taking those, those documents that you've written, those papers you've written, the tests that you've done, and write about them. Have your own website. Have an online profile that you can refer back to. Is that kind of thing helpful in any way? Yes, I think that's a great idea. We love to see links to projects or work that people have done within their resume, their CV. 
that is one way to expand that piece of paper outside of just trying to explain what you know. Also, LinkedIn profiles are a great way to advertise some of your work that way, um, to be able to link out to a website that you've created, an online profile, as you say, and demonstrate some of those things. Other things that I've seen people do is volunteer work. Here in Colorado, we have a lot of mountain trails and biking trails and hiking trails. And I see student projects all the time about, you know, what are the most traffic trails? How do I find, um, you know, maybe I want a particular type of trail that has bathrooms or camping or whatever they're looking for in a, in a particular type of hike. So something that may interest you, that you can almost do your own project, create your own work history in a way in the beginning. Another idea that just sprung to my mind here was um, getting involved in the gig economy. So something like Upwork or Fiverr or, you know, uh, online freelancers, that kind of thing. W- would any of that sort of hold any weight in, in terms of looking for a job and impressing a potential employer? Oh, absolutely. I think that utilizing any resource that you can, and there are companies, we are we do very little contract staffing, but there are companies that specialize in that where they may put a GIS technician or a geospatial analyst on a particular project for three to six months or something. And that kind of, that's a job. That's, it may be a short-term job, but that gives you work experience. So those are things that we highly encourage people to do. And as we're looking to, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, an uncertain economy at this point, we're going to see more and more of that come up. And even GeoSearch, we'll see more and more of that. That's not our typical model, but it's certainly something that in downtimes we offer and we experience because companies still need to get work done, although they just don't have the confidence sometimes to hire a long-term person. And that can happen at an entry level or a senior level type of position in this economy. So So up until now, we've been talking a a little bit about entry-level positions. We've talked about the technical skills that might might help you gain those those positions. We've also talked to, you've also mentioned that communication is important. And we've talked a lot about experience and different ways you might get that experience. But I'm feeling like this was all sort of focused towards those entry-level positions. If we take a step back now and look at mid-level to leadership positions, what, what kind of things make the difference there? I think communication, again, is at the top of the list, obviously technical skills. And once you're moving into a more mid to senior level position, usually your domain experience, and what I mean by that is a specific sector of GIS or, you know, if you've been working within remote sensing or LIDAR or some kind of specific technology, as well as specific types of customers. So if you've worked within utilities, oil and gas, local government, that kind of specific understanding of how those types of customers utilize geospatial technologies is really helpful. So that is where your expertise can start to to elevate your career path. I just want to go back to what you said there about communication. What what do you mean by that? Are we talking about the written word? Are we talking about you know presenting ideas, that kind of thing? Or, or do you have something completely different in mind when you talk about communication? I would say all of the above, (laughs) Um, but mostly when I'm talking about communication is, can I communicate to a team that I may be leading in a 
particular project? Do I have, um, am I also able to communicate to my client or my boss, whoever I'm reporting to about what work needs to be done and what work is being done and where we are in a specific project? Um, obviously, project management skills can be a, a good se segue into that in mid to senior level positions where that may entail verbal communication, that may entail presenting to both um, a customer and or a staff on where we are in a project, as well as written skills, meaning here are our deadlines, here is the project schedule, and being able to communicate in that way as well. So, and then translation also into sales skills eventually um, in terms of selling your team on what needs to be done and how quickly and how well and that kind of thing all the way to selling new business for your company. I feel like with technical skills, I mean, you can you can do it or you can't do it, and you can mention the names of the tools that you're using, and somebody can ask you about that. Okay, what happens if I use this tool in combination with that tool? And you can get a very sort of concrete answer out, and it's either yes or no. But in terms of communication, how do we document that we're good at communicating? A lot of people seem to write, I'm a great communicator on their CV, but I, I think it's you know, are we just paying lip service to that, or can we actually physically document that I am a good communicator, that I have that I have these project management skills? Well, I think that part of it is making sure that you're mentioning it on your resume. However, I also see, you know, when you're applying for a position, to be able to tailor your resume or your CV to that job description and draw the line from this is what I've done to this is what your job says you need. That is a type of communication that also is a bridge to getting you that interview. And whether it's a, an initial telephone interview or a phone screen with a recruiter or something, that and then your real communication skills verbally can come out and you can then describe even more of what you've done. When we talk about going through me or a recruiter, that is often the kinds of things that I emphasize to our employers because it is harder to put those types of things on a resume. But when we have enough to talk about because you have communicated well within your CV that you are a good fit for this role, we get on the phone and then you are just wonderful to talk with. You are knowledgeable about your trade. You understand um, kind of what this company is trying to do after talking with me. I can then summarize that to a customer and let them know either in email or in our weekly meetings about candidates, that kind of thing, my impression of the job seekers skills. So just getting on the phone is usually, whether it's with a recruiter or just directly with an employer is a, is a big step in moving forward in an interview process. And that makes perfect sense when you say it like that. And it really feels that we, we can't hide. So either we, if we say we're good communicators, we need to be good communicators because you're going to find out. It's going to come out when we talk on the phone and it's going to come out in our application. Can, you know, can we tailor that, that CV, that cover letter to the, the actual job? Or is it just a, a stock standard thing that we're just sort of spitting out all the time to, at every different position? And I see different levels, just so you know, because I understand we're in a technical field, different levels of communication are needed in different types of positions. So if you do not feel you are an excellent communicator all the time, there may be other ways that you can demonstrate that in terms of your technical expertise and how you communicate in that environment. Doesn't mean you need to be necessarily a public speaker to get a position as a 
GIS programmer, but it does help to be able to tailor those skills as much as you can in order to be able to communicate with the team or project manager or anything you need to do in that environment as well. Okay, so we've kind of we've moved away from the entry level positions. We've talked about what it might look like when we get to mid level leadership positions. If we take another step back now, what does it look like when we start to move uh, away from like a, a public organization to a private company? Are they are they difficult steps for people to make? Are both those organizations are they looking for vastly different things, or are they quite similar? Well, my most of my experiences with commercial organizations. So I don't know. I know that the application process and selection process for public agencies, such as, you know, cities, county government agencies is quite a bit different than a commercial company. And I am probably not as not a great resource in terms of too much of the public sector, just because the companies that hire GeoSearch are typically commercial companies, whether they're civil engineering firms or geomatics companies or, or whatever. But Basically, what I understand to be the difference is most of our clients that are commercial companies are helping many of those public agencies be more successful in their GIS. Many of the people that that I encounter working for public agencies are users of the technology. They Some of them are quite technical in terms of being able to implement GIS software and manage some contracts there. And then the commercial companies are typically the ones that are advancing that, that are tweaking it, that are customizing it. So they are going to have a different role within the technology rather than typically pumping out reports or certain maps for a county, for instance. But they are there to collect the data, to integrate the data, to upgrade and enhance their GIS that kind of thing. So it's, it's a support for the public agencies. Okay. So if I was working in, in the public sector and decide and really wanted to move over to the private sector, that could actually be a massive advantage for me because I would understand how that machine works and I would, could take that knowledge with me over to the private sector. So I shouldn't be completely afraid or terrified of that move. No, absolutely not. In fact, I think that having some background within the public sector is really valuable to the private sector because they you are on the other side of the desk. You are the person who they would be ultimately servicing. And so therefore, they need to have an understanding of what that person would need. I've just got a couple more questions for you before I let you go, because I understand that the time is precious here. Um, and, and what I'm wondering is, is it possible to to be too niche in, in terms of my um, skill level? Can, or can I always find something? I think it's definitely possible. <laughs> I found I talk with a lot of candidates who understand, especially it seems entry level candidates who really have a focus on what they want to do uh, with the GIS. They want to work in environmental causes, or they you know they have a specific thing in mind that they've learned about in school, which is really interesting to them. And I want them to value that, and I obviously want them to explore opportunities within that. If opportunities arise that may not be exactly in that niche that you are targeting, that experience that you gain is still going to be very valuable. That experience that you gain may end up being more, I guess, relevant to what you uh, wanted to do than you may initially think too, because I think so many things are connected within our whole world, but obviously also within the geospatial community. Many of our organizations that we work with will have one project that they'll they'll hire somebody on, and that happens to be the focus for the next year or two. And then they win something else that's in a completely different vein 
that may you know be of more interest or may may translate well or allow you to grow that interest base. So I always recommend that people look into you know look into different areas of GIS and then remember that we are a geospatial field that comes from everything from data collection in a with a GPS unit in a survey field to lidar collection in an airplane to these mobile lidar now that are on cars that are, some people are driving around the country making maps that way and getting the data in order to do so there's all of the things that go between collecting the data to processing the data to cleaning up the data to the GIS <laughs> and then the, and the analysis and and data engineering after that so and data modeling and such so there's a whole geomatic spectrum that for one thing, it's it's really important to be educated on, but also be open to working in because eventually some of that background will really be valuable in in your ultimate career goal. I just want to stay with that idea of the, this geometric or geospatial spectrum just for a second here. Where on the spectrum, spectrum do you see um, big opportunities at the moment? Is it in the data collection side or is it in the processing side? Is it in the visualization side? Is there any particular part of that where you say, okay, we see a lot of movement here. People are wanting skilled professionals to work in this bit of the spectrum. We see a lot of movement in right now data collection when it comes to UAV technologies. We also are seeing a lot within LIDAR, and that means LIDAR processors also and photogrammetrists even, which came back from nothing, <laughs> at least in the United States. Um, it was almost gone for a while and being outsourced, and now it is back as a regular hire that we are asked to find. And then on the other side, I would say the, the GIS programming and the ability to understand a specific domain and create unique applications and unique things for a specific industry is really important too on the GIS side. And then we are also working a lot with companies who may be exploring autonomous vehicle type um, data engineering, and that's kind of a whole different spectrum. So those are the three things that stick out to me as where we are seeing the most movement. If I was just leaving university now and didn't have any sort of real domain-specific knowledge, I just had a really strong technical background, a technical understanding of GIS, could I go out and make a career based on that? Absolutely. And I think that a lot of times people do and they cross over to different domains throughout their career. That starting in a sector or at least initially pursuing opportunities in a sector that's of high level of interest to you is great, whether that means you want to work for a public agency or you would like to work for a specific type of company focusing on specific projects. That is a great way to start. If you need to get more flexible, you can always widen that net. But maybe you've done some projects in school that have helped you identify where your interests lie. And those, again, that's domain experience if you've worked within, you know, on certain projects that happen to be within that domain. But yeah, I think the technical skills transfer no matter what. Jessica, I, I really want to thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed the conversation. You've answered a lot of the questions that I had, and I'm sure a lot of the questions that the listeners have had. So thank you so much for that. But before I let you go, where, where can the listeners go to reach out to you or learn more about uh, what it's like to, to engage with a recruiter? Sure. Geosearch.com is our website. And on there are, is my full contact information, my email and 
phone number and everything are listed there. They can also create a job seeker account for free. It is private and confidential until they have talked with us and they understand where their information may be going and to what employers. So we encourage them to do that. Thank you so much for your time. It's much appreciated. All right. Thank you. So I realized the audio was a bit scratchy there towards the end of the interview, but that was Jessica from GeoSearch. I will put a link to GeoSearch in the show notes so you can click through and find out more if you're interested. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and it's been an absolute pleasure being your host again this week. If you're listening to the show for the first time and haven't already subscribed, consider subscribing. It just means that all these shows are delivered directly to your mobile device or wherever it is that you're listening to your podcast on a weekly basis and you won't miss out. If you're a long-time listener of the show and enjoying the content, please share it with a friend. I would really appreciate it. That is the way podcasts grow and that is the way we can spread the word about Geospatial and help grow the community. As always, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you are more than welcome to reach out to me on social media. You'll also find me on LinkedIn. Just Google the podcast, Mapscaping Podcast host. You will find me and I would love to hear from you. That's it from me. We'll talk again next week. Bye.